Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we're going to be talking about Apple stuff on a podcast. That's right, we're switching it up once again uh, because we are coming toward the end of developer season with, I believe, the last of the big three. Now again, there will be, I think Meta has its own developer conference and Amazon has its own as well. We probably won't be covering those, but we do like to cover the big three. And Apple just had their own developer conference. Uh, we are, I don't know, but 45 minutes out from it, and we have marinated on some thoughts. So we thought we'd bring them to you, as well as in the context of how uh, any of what they've announced might affect Windows users. Uh, I am your host today, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by David Allen. We're back. We're doing Apples instead of Windows this time. So we'll see how this turns out for you guys. Yeah, uh, unlike the Google one, we don't expect this one to run too long, so we're just going to jump straight into it. We'll save the best for last, as like Apple did, uh, for what I talk about the most, just like Apple did. So we'll do some quick rundowns. Uh, they introduced a 15-inch MacBook Air, uh, which they believe they said is about 11.5 millimeters thin, which they say is the thinnest 15-inch laptop out. That's debatable. Uh, we will see once people start getting their hands on it. Uh, it still looks like, you know, design-wise, it's similar to the 13-inch. So it looks like the Air now has a 13-inch model and a, did they have a 14-inch or is it just 13 and 15? They did a 14 a few years ago. Um, they don't have a current 14. They have a 14 Pro. Okay. So you know, now they now people who uh, want Air-like prices, MacBook Air-like prices, can get a 15-inch, which uh, I think the pricing starts at $999 now for the 13-inch. $10.99 uh, for spec that one, and I believe starting price for this new 15-inch model is $12.99, which, again, the reason why I want to talk about this in context of uh, Microsoft is that uh, Microsoft's, at least for a lot of OEMs, they are doing, I believe, 13.5, 13 inches, and then they jump straight to, like, 16. There's rarely a 14 or 15-inch model for most people. It's 13, 16, 17 if you're a gamer. Uh, I just We just got in the 17-inch Dell for review, it's a massive beast. But again, people, some people want, you know, the medium-sized screen. What do you think about that? I agree. You know, we've got, I've got a Lenovo here, a 9i for review. That's a 14.4, and I'm talking to you on a Lenovo, like you mentioned, gaming 16-inch. It used to be 10, 15 years ago. 15 was what everybody wanted. The, the resolutions just weren't there to make 14 you know, work, especially if you had bad eyes. So I'm glad to see Apple moving the smaller model to the bigger screen, because for me, if I was buying a Mac, and I, I was a Mac user for many years, I'm going to call it what it is, um, that was what kept me from buying the MacBook Air and saving that money, because I was editing video. I felt like I needed that bigger screen to be able to do that effectively on the go. So I'm glad to see the MacBook Air specs in a 15-inch screen. I think, you know, we are a Microsoft website. I think this will be a hit for Apple. Will it put some pressure on things like the Surface laptops, you know, to adjust some of their specs and adjust some of their pricing? You know, I hope it does because we're, we're kind of seeing the, the refresh phase of some of those. I would love to see Apple do well in selling those and put some pressure on some of these PC makers, Microsoft, Lenovo, Dell, Acer, Asus, MSI, to, to, to give us something better, to give us something cheaper, because spec-wise, it doesn't look like a bad machine. Yeah, agreed. Uh, again, spec-wise, we have an uh, M2 chip in there. We have a 15.3-inch liquid retina display. It weighs about 3.3 pounds, uh, MagSafe charging point. 
port, two Thunderbolt uh, ports, headphone jack. Uh, comes in silver, midnight, and uh, black, I believe. Um, at six speakers. They say it's about 18 hours battery life. It's fanless, just like the Air. So, again, uh, to your point, I would like to see what the new design evolution of the Surface laptop is, because uh, they do have it at 13 and 15. So we'll see if they maybe do another consolidation where they hit, think its sweet spot is at 14, like they did with the Mac. I mean, with the Surface Laptop Studio, or if they continue 13 and 14, and we see some uh, spec upgrades uh, as far as the ports and stuff. Uh, the other thing they announced was the Mac Studio, which we think is you know relatively important. Uh, it's, it's an M2 Ultra chip, which is basically uh, whenever they up the ante on the chips, they basically just combine several versions of their previous chip. So the M2 is now this basically two M2s put together on a single uh, die. Yeah, they give you 76 cores of GPU performance and 192 gigabytes of unified memory. Uh, they say you can pre-order it today to be available next week. Again, these are the hardware portions of, uh, the, the, of the presentation they kicked off with, which, again, I think as a developer, as someone who might be in a recording studio, uh, you know, doing massive loads of uh, CGI or graphics, intensive uh, production loads, these things are going to be great. They, I think they said uh, they're also doing customizations for these things as far as being able to add uh, more slots. So you can start, you know, powering up to six of those, you know, $5,000 monitors that they offered or something like that. Apple Studios. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm looking forward to people getting their hands to try out that. I believe that one, though, starts at like $699. That's a, or $6999. Yeah, it's about $7,000 to start off with those things. Yeah, those are the... Um what I call the PC Max, where you get to, which what's going to be interesting to me is how they handle the software part of that. That was something they skimmed over because so far the M1s have been what Apple allows you to plug into them. And they're saying with the new pros that there's going to be, you know, their PCI slots, I believe they said there was what, eight slots? And Correct, yeah. If, if you're going to be able to put PCI cards in there, they didn't mention anything about a list of compatible cards or what you would be able to put in there. They just kind of glossed over the fact that, yes, you can put PCI cards in there. They mentioned storage, video, etc., but no specifics. And I found it interesting that there was no OEM sitting there going, we have this new card for creators, programmers, or whatever, saying, look, this is compatible with the Mac Pro and this is what you can do with it. That was unique to me because Apple usually, when they go out and do something big like this, they've got a demo with somebody sitting there ready to showcase it. And it, it bothered me when they didn't have that demo there showing a one of the pro machines full of PCI cards. Give me a demo. Show me what it can do, especially before I go invest. They didn't tell you what that seven thousand dollars bought you either. It could be an eight gig. It could be an eight gig or sixteen gig machine, <laughs> you know. And it goes up from there because the last Mac Pros were like that. You you could get started for five grand, but it wasn't anything you wanted necessarily. Yeah, um, who knows? This may be Apple's pivot into selling their own uh, cards. Uh, they you can expand them, but you can expand them with our stuff. Uh, which may be why we didn't hear anything. Again, uh, we are an hour out from the presentation. There will be more news to come, and we will, you know, if if warranted, we'll follow up on another website. Uh, other places that we referred people to, like we were using some of this information from 9to5Mac. Uh, Mac Rumors is another good spot to go. 
uh, I more believe will have all this kind of stuff for you guys as well. Um, we're going to move on to the other announcement they had, uh, which was iOS 17, which basically brings uh, third-party apps into first-party experiences, it seems like. There was a lot of custom-made features that were homegrown, it seems like, but they did introduce something called Journal. Uh, I'm trying to think of the most popular journal app on iOS. I don't use iOS, but I know there are some. And it basically, if you can imagine that, that's what it is. It basically takes your location data, photos you've taken for the day, uh, anything that you've basically granted the app access to, uh, and it will put it all in a collage and ask you, would you like to journal for that day? You know, you can take that entire entry, save it and say, hey, this is all the things I did for today. This is what I ate based on the photos I took and shared on Instagram. Here's where I was at based on my location. Uh, it'll give you suggestions, which is their big API. They didn't talk very much about AI. They talked about machine learning mostly. Uh, that was their their like switch word for, for everything. So with this new suggestions API, that's basically their version of AI uh, on board the device where they allow developers to tap into the suggestion thing so you can you know have apps that will be part of this journaling suggestion experience. Oh, would you like to add uh, Spotify, use the music from Spotify to journal for your day. Those are the other things. Uh, there was Standby, I believe, which was uh, the new mode that you can put your phone in, basically turning it sideways and making it its own little like display. Now they didn't mention, they showed several demos of Standby and like a phone on a stand sideways. They didn't say how much the stand was going to be. Uh, or, if, or how the gyroscopes work. Like if you just turn your phone sideways, if you hold it for five seconds, does it go into that mode? They didn't explain that. Uh, but it looks like it might be MagSafe operated. So once you connect it to that stand and it goes into this mode. So if you don't want to buy like a, uh, what are they called? A Nest Cam or a Nest, Nest uh, monitor or whatever, you can turn your phone sideways while you're sleeping or where you're about to go to sleep and it gives you all kinds of information uh, as a Nest would. The other thing they talked about was uh, sharing. Sharing was big on this. Uh, maybe oversharing to some degree. What do you think about the sharing features that came in iOS? You know, I thought the over, it was oversharing a little bit. You know, you, you they had the sharing in the car with music playlists. They had the improvements to AirDrop where you could just bring your devices close together and detect things. Now, and... and we're tech guys, folks, and this is what really caught my attention. When you're doing this in a controlled environment, that's a great thing. But when you're walking around a city or even in a mall at Christmas time, you're doing your shopping and you've got hundreds or thousands of, you know, iPhones around and they're all close together. We're walking in line or they dinging off, hey, you can share with this person. You can share with that person. Do you want to share this? You know. We assume with the way Apple speaks that they are being secure about this. There is an assumption there that they're doing this. There's an assumption as to how this is going to work. If I'm doing this with my family at a party or a picnic, great. This sounds like a good idea, but I'm concerned about how does this work in a crowded environment where there's iOS devices galore, iOS plenty. What yeah, happens there? There were cases of people getting sent nudes on a plane just because some people had, you know, someone could tap into uh, the share feature and just send out whatever they want to in the iPhone devices. Uh, obviously, I think, like you said, there are going to be some parameters in place, but there were also concerns I had immediately uh, because it was, uh, I believe this, one of the features was check-in. And I yes. thought that that can go entirely wrong for people who are insecure and want to keep tabs on their significant others because it shares 
all kinds of crazy extra location data. It also prompts uh, for notifications to remind people to have that other person check in. And so if you are a stalky, stalker-ish type That's where text, I was going with that. Uh, this could this could be a feature that Apple may need to fine tune even further than what they ex uh, showed in the demo. And, and I, I don't want to just go too far. That the, the vibe that I got from this conference was that we all live a, we all live and work a certain way. That we we live and work. We share everything. We communicate everything. And that's somewhat true. Until the, the that feature came up, it made me think. You know. There are people in this world that don't have good intentions and breakups and things like that happen. Divorces happen. And, you know, well, everything was good in the relationship and we were sharing things and somebody left. Well, I've still got access to my ex's phone. I'm going to sit right here and make their life miserable. Apple might need to think about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure this is a trial and error and, and they'll, they'll work it out hopefully before it becomes too big of an issue or too big of a headline. The other thing, I mean, some of the good things they had was uh, the name drop thing, which I believe is part of the airdrop update, where yeah. you basically, uh, it's again, another third party service where uh, people used to use an app uh, where you could like uh, upload it on your phone and it would give out your contact information, like a business card. You can basically do it through your phone now. You can uh, bump, is what I think Android has a version of it, basically put your phones next to each other and share the information that you want to. So it'd be great for people who are networking or at conventions or anything like that, uh, instead of just having to stand by each other and repeat your phone number and they type it in and they spell your name correctly, you can send them a card that'll have your picture. Uh, if you want to share your email, share your phone number, uh, share your socials or anything like that. So I think that's great. Uh, but again, mostly it was a lot of new sharing features. Uh, we move on to, uh, they talked about uh, transformer models, which you and I both got a laugh out of when they were talking about their keyboard of all things and how uh, they're using machine learning for predictive text and voice dictation. I think it's just an update to kind of what we've all seen from all versions of keyboards. The Gboard does this, SwiftKey does this. You know, it isn't brand new. This isn't some kind of new modern tech. Um, I believe that sums up most of iOS, at least as far as we're concerned. There are some other things you can, like I said, go to these other more specialized websites to get information on. But uh, for the, the whole of iOS, it was standby, sharing, and um, uh, airdrop uh, were the big big takeaways from that. Uh, there are some other customizations I think you can like add. Uh, oh, you and I were talking about, uh, you can send somebody the contact card you want to appear on their phone. We don't know if this is gonna be the default. You and I had issues with this because I know what I would wanna send somebody, but I also take time because I'm a fan of comics stuff like that. I give all my contacts a comic version of themselves on my phone. So it's easy for me to identify when they call me. I don't want them sending me something that they created because, again, it kind of disrupts the way I organize my phone. So what were your thoughts on that? I think the person should be able to control it, first of all. You know, I think, you know, Apple likes to set standards of how things are going to be. That's part of the Apple system. And I think you're going to get people, they're upset if Apple defines what cards you have to send. I know... I have various levels of people in my life, the people that are close to me, the people I work with, and the people that I would necessarily consider an acquaintance. I might want to be able to send them different cards with different information, and I feel like I should be able to do that with Apple saying, look, you know, you send them this card, maybe a work card, a personal card, and maybe somebody has an acquaintance card with a little bit of both in there. 
maybe all you want to give out is your phone number. Maybe you don't want to give out your actual phone number. Maybe you want to give out like a Skype number or a Google Voice number. You know, I think there should be choices here as to what card each person gets. Agreed. And we'll see. Well, maybe maybe they'll make those tweaks before. Because, again, this is all stuff they're announcing now. But most of this will come when they get the new phone out in the end of September, beginning of October. Moving on, we have iPad OS, which was a widgets galore. Uh, they have tons of improvements for the widgets. Uh, they also introduced personalized wallpapers uh, and pictures on the iPad lock screen, which uh, we were saying kind of goes after the new Android tablet because it turns the iPad into kind of a uh, uh, smart screen, more of a smart screen than it has been before. There's live activities on the lock screen. Uh, at the bottom of your lock screen, uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with uh, sports scores or if you're tracking you know, pizza or something like that. They also have multiple timers that show up on the lock screen. Uh, so that's all great. They added the health uh, app on the iPad. So health kit. Finally. Now, yes. Health kit is now supported on the iPad. They added a new uh, first party PDF reading experience where you can sign stuff and uh, save things. And basically, they're just kicking Adobe out of that section. Uh, there were some small, minor improvements to Stage Manor about how you can place uh, certain things on the screen, but nothing fundamentally changes. Just they centered it a little bit more than they had before, but I think it was more left justified. Uh, but again, those are all iPad things. They wasn't a huge update. Then we moved over to their new uh, operating system for this year, which is macOS Sonoma. Uh, and again, we are talking about widgets, which is widgets. why we, which is why we brought in the context of. Microsoft and Windows 11 because they're making a big play on widgets as well. The difference here is that while Microsoft puts it in the widget pane to the left of Windows, I guess right of the screen, uh, app, Apple is moving theirs out of a widget pane and allowing you to pin it to the desktop. Now we know that there are, uh, are plans, we don't know if they're coming to fruition, but there are plans to have pinnable widgets on Windows 11 desktop. Uh, we're seeing some features come to the widgets uh, and third-party uh, widgets coming as well. So, you know, it seems like a widgets arms race between uh, the companies. What do you think? Uh, I, that that was the one thing in the whole WWDC conference that I could say that I saw that maybe Apple's a little bit ahead of Microsoft was, you know, widgets. Being able to place widgets anywhere you wanted to, being able to sync widgets between your devices they did bring up you know if you've got a widget on your cell phone you will have access to that widget on your macbook and vice versa it was neat to see that it was neat to see that the widgets would kind of fade themselves away a little bit if you were needed to focus on something like focus on an email your widgets would kind of back off a little bit it was neat to see that they do change when you change your backgrounds or the aesthetics of your screen that the widgets do match that you know my thought there was somebody's got four or five widgets on their screen you change the background and you have to go change each individual widget that might be a little bit of a pain in the neck so widgets is one thing i'm going to have to give apple on this one okay you're a little bit ahead of microsoft because Apple is doing with widgets what I would love to see Microsoft do. I would love to be able to see a list of widgets in Windows, put them anywhere I want to, size them anywhere I want to, make them look any way I want to, and display the information that I choose. Now, for those of you who are getting dashboard flashbacks, this is exactly what it looks like. We've come full circle with uh, Apple and widgets. It looks like, uh, again, and this is also 
in the demo, they showed a very clean background. I keep a very clean background, but I, my wife does not. And I think in the reality, most people do not. They have files spread across the background like it's like it's a map of the world. And so it'll be interesting to see how those widgets interact with files everywhere as well. I'm going to have to say, I'm looking at one of my screen, one of my machines here to the left, and there's not an icon on that desktop. So As I, I say, mine is, is very clear, and widgets will go great on mine. But if I look at my wife's, it is, like I said, it is, it looks like, a, you know, a crime scene where just papers tossed everywhere. Uh, so uh, I want to see, I want to see a setup where you're having to basically maneuver your files around these widgets, or if you're clicking into, like, the widgets thinking you're clicking into a file because it's placed somewhere else on there. So... You know, there's a place for it. Uh, there's a reality for it as well. Uh, we're going to move on to, oh, they talked about gaming briefly, uh, very briefly. They, we got a, Everyone who is on a PC or play, uses Windows got a nice little chuckle out of this. Uh, they are bringing, I believe it is Death Stranding to, uh, uh, I think it's Director's Cut to macOS, uh, first party, which is great. But as you and I mentioned, this is, you know, a several-year-old game and this seems to be the trend for uh, Max, where they're like, "Oh, we have our, we finally got our first AAA title, and it's always two or three years removed. It's never, hey, this is upcoming, designed specifically for this this platform, and everybody else is going to want it. It's like, oh, if you've already played it on a PC, guess what? You can play it on a Mac as well. Years later, uh, the other big thing about their gaming mode, they have a gaming mode which is similar to game mode in, in uh, Windows, where basically." Uh, uh, ratchets us down all of the performances, outside performances that are related to gaming, specifically for the Mac SOS, a Mac OS Sonoma's gaming mode. It includes a double, doubling the Bluetooth sampling rate to reduce uh, input latency for Xbox and PlayStation controllers, as well as kind of uh, making tweaks for the brightness of the screen and uh, latency for uh, the refresh rates on, 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 I guess, you know, the LED monitors that they have there. Uh, then they talked about Safari, which is basically Safari finally recognizes web apps, or PWAs, Progressive Web Apps, they yes. call it Web Apps themselves. Um, so for those of you who want to save and get notifications from specific websites, uh, as, as over a natural app, you can finally do that in Safari. Uh, there are font improvements, there are updates to WebKit, uh, specifically for developers, there's private browsing, which locks the browser when not in use, which is kind of great. So you can't have apps adding you know, cookies or anything on there after you've already uh, started looking in there. There's Passkey, which I believe is the same as, uh, what is that, Windows, Microsoft Authenticator, whatever Authenticate. And something that caught me there, let's go back just one second on the sharing there. They were saying you could give people you trusted access to yes. your Passkey. To me, this you know kind of goes back to the, the first app we mentioned, the check-in. To me, that just screamed issues because... People are going to save important things in there, banking, insurance, financial, business, medical. We all save our passwords in something. So I don't know that I like, you know, being able to necessarily share it and somebody having access to things that hey, if something was to go wrong, they make your life miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, that collaboration feature, because you can share passwords from Edge. It's just it's a multi-step process. And I think it's there for your own security. Like, you know, if I had Microsoft indicated generate some long strand and I wanted to share with my wife, I can go into my password section and there's like a button that will show you that will like allow you to show the password. You copy paste that and then share it on. 
I don't know if you necessarily need to collaborate in real time and share the same passwords and have access to it at all times. Because as you said, if things were to go awry, or you know, maybe this is just business oriented. Maybe for a short time, you and you know a, a contractor are creating something together in one app, and now it's time to move on. Who gets to break that chain and say, "All right, I'm changing the password for the for the last time." You have no longer have access to it. They didn't go into details about that, so we'll see how this works for businesses or people who are getting into business with somebody else and needing to share for a limited time, not for you know ongoing. Uh, lastly, there were updates to, they, they had a section that was in there for AirPods and HomePods, which I called filler content. I didn't take too many notes on that. I don't know how to help either. developers. But uh, what it does, that what it did lead into was a bigger thing, which is called Air, AirPlay support in hotels, basically, which will allow uh, hotels to support AirPlay and allow people to use a, a QR code to basically reinitiate re, uh, their last uh, AirPlay or uh, Apple TV experience on the TV that's at the hotel. I know everyone was championing this, and I'm sure as iPhone users, this makes life super great. You don't have to like bring your Chrome stick, you know, Chromecast stick with you or anything like that. But I wonder, for hotels, what is the benefit for them? Because again, they put their ads in those TVs, like specifically for features of the hotel. Uh, they're giving that all up and letting people just bypass that. And I wonder what benefit they get out of this, or how much well, it's going to start charging people. That that's what I was going to say. It, it, the, the cost of your room is going to go up because a lot of places put, you know, you go for, for here, and I know, you know, down where you are, you go to a beach, go to a hotel, and they've got advertisements that are events or things for you to see around the area that you're in. And those are paid for. Those are paid advertisements that, you know, that, that hotel or wherever is collecting money off of. So that may change the cost of your next room. Yeah, and that's uh, not what anybody's looking forward to. I mean, especially if it's just to get Apple TV. Because, I mean, they have some great shows, but uh, I think I will pass to save uh, some money. Because, again, you're at the hotel to go do something. You're not there to stay at the hotel. Uh, the next thing we got is, um, again, part of the Apple TV updates. You'll be able to control your home apps from the, uh, the home screen. Uh, they've added FaceTime support uh, for uh, Apple TV as well. There's continuity APIs for Zoom and WebEx as well, so you can, you can take conferences and meetings uh, through your uh, Apple TV. And again, all this is coming out later this year. There's a big section for WatchOS, uh, which brings back uh, widgets. They call them smart stack widgets. You're able to scroll through. They appear at about a third of the bottom of the screen. It's kind of a cool feature, also the mission that uh, people were figuring out how to use their phone so they can bring back these features that they thought were too robust in the beginning and too confusing. Uh, now that people have had the watch for five plus years, it seems like they're ready to bring back widgets everywhere. Um, and then we're going to get into the last section. And this is the section that we want to talk particularly about because this is in relation to HoloLens. Apple finally took the veil off of their uh, AR, VR headset, uh, which is called Apple Vision Pro. Uh, I want to start off by saying it's a wired headset. Go. It, it, it's a wired headset that is $34.99. And let's go ahead and get the cat out of the bag. You won't be buying it this year. You can buy it next year. And from what we kind of could gather in the hour from the presentation, it is battery operated. As you mentioned, the battery is roughly two hours in length. But guess what? If you've got an open pocket or pocketbook, you can carry another battery and get yourself two more hours. So 
naturally, they did not say how much these batteries are going to cost you. And that that was, you know, the thing with me. Uh, you know, it's thirty four ninety nine. It's a cool product. Yes, I'll give I'll give them the cool factor. It's cool. It's neat. You could have most of your Apple experiences inside the headset without going into great detail. You could watch movies, bring them up room size. You could interact with your apps. But my question of many is, if I'm going to pay $34.99 for the headset, I can go buy a well-equipped Mac Pro or MacBook Pro of some sort for $34.99 and basically do the same things. Apple did not show me a reason to say, I need to put down my Mac. I need to go buy this headset. They didn't do that. And that's what got me. They showed me how to use their products inside the headset, how to interact with messages, how to interact with my browser, how to play Apple Arcade, how to look at my photos, how to enhance them. But that's all they did. They didn't say, you know, this is how you're going to do it when there's two headsets in a room, for example. They showed that you could watch a movie. So I guess... One person in the family buys the headset and one person sits on the couch and and stares at the headset while the family and the kids, you know, do something else. To me, it was was definitely a one-person device that is marketed in a way, from what they've shown so far, that if somebody had it, a family would want to use it. Is that, you know, I hope that's coming across well, because if you go rent a movie on Apple TV or you go buy that movie, you know, they didn't even say, can one person watch it on the headset and the other people, you know, does someone else watch it on Apple TV? There's no sharing here. There's one experience. It's an expensive experience. And as you mentioned, there's not anything that they showed necessarily that we haven't seen on HoloLens, you know years ago so yeah no it's uh just uh before we get too ahead of ourselves just give people some idea of it it's a fully 3d interface controlled with uh using your hands and your eyes and your voice uh so no you know there were rumors that you know somehow they would do gesture control based on your apple watch or maybe your phone no uh similar to uh, hololens you'll be using uh clickers with your fingers uh you know resizing with your fingers as well uh, use your voice to control certain things. You can move your eyes around because it has eye tracking, uh, similar to HoloLens, and you can just start speaking if you're looking at a search box and it'll start bringing up certain things. Uh, when you first put on the uh, app, you'll have an app interface. Uh, so it's not like Windows UI where you have the Windows desktop, but you'll have uh, just kind of this, it's not a honeycomb as, as you saw in the Apple Watch, but it's similar where you'll just have apps in space uh, that'll first show up. UI elements cast a shallow, shadow, and a freely full you know, space around your environment, uh, similar to HoloLens, so you can kind of see distances and scale. Uh, you can place elements all around the room, and they have anchors, so they'll stay in place. Uh, new apps do not have to replace old ones. They just show up in a new space. So if you want, I, th- I don't know if it has an area of multiple instances, but maybe you'll have multiple browsers up or multiple Instagram uh, accounts up if you are someone who works in social media. Uh, they introduced environments, which this is something that is new. That uh, or I believe is relatively new, where you can basically um, immerse the background uh, within the, with an outdoor environment like a waterfall or a forest or something like that, where your apps will sit in front, but you will not have the 
um, uh, AR pass-through, so to speak. So uh, like I said, if you're looking at a browser, you're looking at Safari, and you want to, to be in a serene area, you can put an entire background of the forest behind it. Uh, they do have um, a knob at the top, I believe, which will allow you to ratchet up or down the amount of immersion you want. Now, we don't know if this is fully immersive. We don't know what the field of view is, those kind of things yet. We'll get into that in a second. But at least that's you know what they were showing. And as you mentioned, um, they do have, uh, it is all the demos were singular uses. Uh, they do have this new feature, another new feature, where you can basically have your eyes digitally reflected on the outside of the device. Uh, so again, you can see there's an AR pass through, so you can see the outside world to a certain degree, uh, and then but people will not be able to see your natural eyes. They will see a slightly enlarged version of your eyes facing outwards uh, to kind of give let people know that there's a context of you sort of looking at them but not looking at them. It's a weird, uncanny valley between how that works. Uh, but those are basically the gist of it. If you had to, if we had to describe it visually, I was mentioning in the chat that it looks like they took an Apple Watch and stretched it across your eyes. Uh, so it, it looks sleeker than some of the, the most handsets out there, but I said that they were able to be sleeker because they didn't have to pack a battery in like Magic Leap and HoloLens did. Well, and two, the other thing that caught my attention near, near the end of the presentation for the headset, which really caught me off guard, when they were talking about it being available next year, they said you would be able to go to an Apple store for your fitting. That they, they, they mentioned a fitting specifically, but that's all they said, which made me think, where do they intend to sell this product? You know, what is Apple's intention? And I would love for you guys to put it in the comments below. Some of you Apple fans that may tune in, put it in the comments below. Where does Apple sell this product? Because they show consumer apps, apps we use every day, Whereas HoloLens, when they've done their demos, they show architecture. They show things that let you know that we're aiming this toward the business style of customer. Apple give it the consumer look with a $3,400 price tag and then mentioned going to the Apple store for your fitting. So is Apple telling me I, when it does come out next year that I can't go somewhere and press buy? And it show up in a box and do its thing. What makes yeah. the what makes the fitting special? In their defense, they did show their first party, at least the apps that they've been working in tandem with with uh, app developers are were were all mostly enterprise. It was like a modeling uh, right. app where you can basically model a race car or something like that in real time. They had a manufacturing like a supply chain line uh, automated uh, mockup as well. They were architecture ones. Uh, and this is a similar thing that Holland's did. Holland's tried to shadow the line because their first demo uh, was of the Windows UI. The second demo was of Minecraft. The third window was of a Skype demonstration where you're like a plumber was helping somebody. And then they kind of veered off into mostly enterprise where it was, you know, uh, CAD and, uh, you know, other civil engineering apps, things like that, warehouse stockage and things like that. Uh, and they kind of, you know, left the consumer aspect alone. Magic Leap came by and reinvigorated that by showing all kinds of uh, movie-related demos that were super cool that, you know, they weren't aiming towards enterprise. And as we can see five years later, neither one of them materialized in anything that we can use as consumers. Uh, I, 
I say this all to say that Apple seems to be following both of these companies in the same direction. And I don't know if it's going to work out better for them somehow, because again, uh, HoloLens announced and it took them, you know, four to five months before people can get headsets on that as well. Uh, they geared it towards enterprise and then it kind of got forgotten. Uh, and as, and as yeah. much as they showed like, hey, you can open up, uh, you know, several uh, versions of your Windows uh, desktop UI sitting down in your, you know, in your you know, couch or whatever, it never became a product people were using Windows for. And I think that's that's going to be the other issue because I, I tried to put myself when I was watching this into the buyer's seat because ultimately that's what Apple wants is, you know, you to sit in the buyer's seat. Like you mentioned, could I see modelers possibly buying it? Sure, if the software support is there. Could I see engineers buying it? Sure, the so if the software support is there. Just like if the software support is there for the HoloLens, then I suspect that you know people are going to make the choice. But as another website had tweeted, the tweet that you showed me, at the time of the announcement, the stock market, the, the stock price of Apple didn't didn't go too well. So. Yeah, our, our buddy uh, Dan uh, Rubino over at Windows Central put together uh, a side by side of you know the uh, hourly change of stock prices and over the year, and you saw uh, at a certain point, you know, Apple was high up year over year, and then it started to go down. And if you look at if you zoomed in at the hourly, at about two o'clock, about an hour in, right around when they started describing their AR headset, the stock started to go down. You know, the stock was going up when, when hardware was the key, you know, laptops, phones, watches, things of that nature that people can get their hands on that find tangible uses for. We're all getting updates and all getting improvements and the investors are like, this is great. Then you introduce this aspirational headset that has historically not worked out for most people, meta included. Uh, and now you're saying, here's our version of it and you haven't done anything that's wildly different you've, you've talked about an hour and your presentation i'm referring to you as apple was no different than when hollows did it five years ago i mean aside from maybe perhaps the crown uh which you know uh gives you sort of the immersive view and if you know those of your windows fans or microsoft fans just imagine the dial on the surface dial where you can kind of ray ratchet up the uh, uh, ambient noise or, you know, uh, put out the noise canceling. That's basically what their field of view, uh, their uh, vision thing does. Now, they also didn't address most of the big concerns, which I believe are field of view. Because, you know, even if, even if they were to come out at this price, say this thing is $1,500. People, if they get the same sort of field of view that HoloLens did, they're going to have the same sort of issues where people get nauseous or they just get burnt out, their, their, their eyes get exhausted because they're taking an input peripherally of the real world and trying to focus on things in high fidelity in front of them. So they didn't mention any of that. We'll probably get some hands off from people in the next uh, 48 hours or so that can attest to that. But in every demo that anyone's ever done for AR, it's always immersive. It's always, you, you can't see anything outside of you know, your field of view. And that's what makes the AR experience supposed to be that great. But in reality, it's always, you know, this. It's, it's it's in between your ears, and you can see everything else outside of it. And you, that's why most people don't want to wear it for more than, uh, you know, an hour or two at a time because it's straining on the eyes. And then the opposite is the same with the VR, where like you know you're isolated, 
and you're closed off from the world. And again, you don't want to do that for too long because some people, you know, get socially and physically claustrophobic. You know, you, you can't see what's going on. You don't know what's going on. So the, the fact that you can dial this immersive thing may still be too stimulating for people. So they got to address that. We know what the price. Uh, we know it's mostly for developers. It's not coming out to next year, which by that point, I'm sure the next WWDC, they'll be talking about version two. So if you bought one in January, you're going to be very upset come June where there's another one already you know, in the wings waiting to come out right around the same time as the Apple phone or whatever in that year in September. So at the end they, of the day, they also didn't address, unless I missed it, they were talking about a lot of stuff there. Any storage, how much mm-hmm. storage is on the device? Can it connect to, to your MacBook? Can it connect to your Mac Studio? That they showed it as a fully stand. Now, correct me if you saw something I didn't, but everything I saw was fully standalone. The headset is its own beast and does its own thing. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see when it comes out and you can go buy it. If there's nothing new you can do on it, why buy it? Well, the other thing they also kind of brushed over was that there's vents on it on the front of the device, right around the eye part area. So you might have some hot, you know, some heated air uh, circulating right around your cheeks, your nose area, stuff like that, too. So, again, they showed the demo people wearing these things all day. I doubt people are going to want to do that. Um, The experiences aren't any different so far than what we've already come to experience. Uh, even their gaming demo was basically someone holding a controller and looking at the, you know, a, a screen versus like what we at least saw with the the uh, Minecraft, where it was like on a table and you were interacting in 3D elements with that kind of thing. So uh, there's, I believe, for anybody who knows about or has experienced uh, the metaverse, uh, whatever the Oculus is, or whatever version there's out now, uh, who's ever experienced Magic Leap, uh, who has had time with Howlins. You were probably a little bit bored by this announcement. Uh, maybe the design catches you. The pricing definitely isn't because I believe it's $500 more than the current HoloLens is. Um, I don't know what new experiences they plan to capture with this. They may have you know, Disney come out and they always drag Disney out whenever they talk about AR and things like that. I don't think anything that Bob Iger mentioned uh, was any different than what you can do with an iPad currently. So a lot of questions, uh, but you know, we have six months to kind of, Apple has six months to iron those out before they start getting in the hands of people. Uh, we'll see how the control demos go uh, the next 48 hours and what people say about that. And don't forget it. That was what, that was, you know, something I want to throw in here then. Don't forget it because it's six months before we can even touch it. And I know I sound like I'm just dogging this thing out of the water, but it makes, it makes no sense to me to do your presentation and your PR spin up now only to four to six months from now you're going to have to restart that whole PR wheel again get people interested and possibly do another demo presentation and try to change the minds that have already looked at it and said "Ah, it's not any different I don't want any part of it I would have rather seen a demo Late 2023, early 2024, with something saying you can order today. It'll be in your, you know, it'll be on your doorstep or whatever within 30 days. I mean, as a developer, I'd rather than just hold, wait until next year when they could say, "Hey, you can get your hands on this today, 
and start working on all the things we just talked about. Because again, they're going to have these sessions where they're talking about this device and there's nothing anybody can do about it. You can't write apps to it because there's no store yet. You don't have access to to play around with the gyroscopes to see how you're going to create an app that works with this. Like you don't have hands on with, you won't have hands on with it for another six months. Like why introduce this to developers? Again, I understand as someone who's rational, this is not for consumers. I get that. I grant them that. But it's not for developers for the next six months. Why even talk, start talking about it if they can't get their hands on it? And again, this isn't like HoloLens where you can tell people, all right, well, if you are in the Windows environment, you can go to Windows and start just taking your Windows Store apps using these dimensions that we're talking about and all of the APIs and start creating and start transferring your app, which will show up on the HoloLens whenever you get it as this version. This is a new operating system for them. Like they, no one has access to this new version of whatever this app store is or however these dimensions work for this thing. So they can't write to that just yet. I'm interested to see how they plan to ramp up the apps by next year, I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll find out sometime Christmas of this year or New Year's what their what their plan is. Now, I've always been an Apple supporter. Like I said, I was an Apple user for over 10 years. This is the first product that they have come out with since the, I don't know, I can't go back that far, I don't, but it's the first product they've come out with in the past 10 years where I look at it and go, this might fail. I don't want to put a ne- I don't want to put, you know, go, go completely down the negative road. We don't have it in hand yet, but based on what I saw today, could this be the first Apple product that fails? And let me define what fail is. Fail for Microsoft is different from fail from Apple expectations. I'm thinking this may be the first product that fails Apple's expectations. Yeah, this seems like a product out of time. Had they announced this two years ago, I'm sure we'd all be in a different mind, uh, mindset. Uh, but, you know, things have changed, times have changed people's perspectives have changed. Most companies are focusing on the cloud and AI, and Apple's focusing on hardware and AR and VR. We will see how that all works out for everybody, but we want to thank you all for joining us uh, for this you know, special uh, podcast where we get to rant about Apple stuff. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, for those of us who are in tech, just be optimistic about what could, how the watershed effects can have, you know, affect everybody. Maybe yeah. Microsoft sees this as a reason to give Panos the, the go-ahead for HoloLens 3 at some point. That could be our best outcome of this whole situation. Apple usually does affect how other people spend things. And, you know, like you said, give it some time. We may see Microsoft do something. We may see another company do something. Apple may be what, in you know, gets AR and VR kind of the kick in the, you know, the kick in the butt to, hey, let's do something with it. I mean, they did that with the M1 series chip. The M1 series chips come out, and everybody went, "Whoa, they're 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 power efficient and powerful," you know. So so look what we've gotten from Intel and AMD since you know since those come out. We may get something interesting in the AR VR space from someone else because of Apple. Fingers crossed. Uh, until then, where can people find you? David PAJ1978 on the Twitters, and we can talk about Apple, bash Apple, whatever we need to do. Yeah, you can find me at MyNid1 on Twitter as well, where I 
uh, will be joining the Paul Throts of the world with all my snarkiness for Apple things, but uh, also quietly optimistic about it. Uh, again, we want to thank you guys. Uh, we will be back uh, the rest of this week with actual Microsoft news, so uh, this isn't the only thing you get for the week. But uh, thank you for uh, indulging yeah. us in our uh, fancy to, to kind of cover Apple as well. Thanks, guys. See you later this week. Bye.